common man. Hello. Six foot tall, he stands. We're back. It's that time. New tune, new walk up. This was uh, personally requested by our guest today, which we're going to get to in just a little bit. Um, we got Camp with a little Common Man. Um, Jared, what do you think? This up your alley? Yeah, I like this. I like anything that's going to um, be on Red Rocks' uh, headline. Yeah. How could you go there and uh, watch a bad show? No, this is uh, we've got a unique relationship with these guys too. Is uh, talking to the guests a little earlier. We we turned them on to them. Um, it was about six years ago, five years ago or so. Uh, back at Gaslight Studio, we had them in studio before they popped, and uh, did a live in studio to a private party. And since then, they've just rocketed up the uh, headline scale, headlining festivals and Red Rocks and everything else. And they are now relevant. Yeah, I think it was because of us. I really do. I would agree with that. A little trip to the hill. They're off to the races. Makes sense. It does. That's what. I, you know what? I'm going to send them a note. I'm thinking that You're welcome, after guys. the guest today um, is aired on this show, uh-huh. he might skyrocket. Possible. We have that effect on people. <laughs> We're a stepping stone for so many. Or maybe uh, he will help us skyrocket. Or it's a step in the wrong direction. (laughs) Zach, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. Doing good. Well, Last full day in Florida. Last day in Florida. Um, If you uh, are catching up with us, you heard the last episode. We had uh, Mr. Ron Champagne, another soccer dad down here. Um, Really fun conversation because it just kind of such a unique story that they've experienced him and his son and his daughter as well um having gone through the uh the, the camp away school process uh down here at img and now he's at uh living at chaminade playing for city sc just really you know some great insight as to how they manage that and the expectations and if you're ever wondering what it would feel like with a, a youngster going away um take a listen to that one um so we're down here in Florida. We're wrapping up GA Cup. We got one more game left on this trip. Um, we we've been on a good run, and uh, we've kind of checked a lot of boxes too. We got some fishing in. You guys went fishing yesterday, Zach. Yes, sir. Um, caught a puffer fish. Caught a puffer fish, which yeah. was quite unexpected. I would, when you sent the picture, I thought it was what? The, the coolest thing was it blew itself up. Not like boom, blow up, but puffed up like a puffer fish and then when we threw it back in the water it actually bounced it's like the ant in it's harry like potter bird. yeah it was weird but and then she also my daughter caught that one and then she also caught uh, a heron oh no oh yeah which is not a fish it's no. a bird so that was fun and jared gets to go kayaking today He's super excited. He about is it. pumped. I mean, he can't. He didn't even want to do this podcast. No, he's like, "What the fuck? Can we you just know. get there four hours early?" <laughs> and we we will be facetiming him from the pub, <laughs> asking him how it's going. Oh, I'll be there. It's going to go terrible. You're going kayaking. too? I'm going kayaking. As well. I'm going to facetime both of you guys from the pub. Yeah, you'll be here in the house by yourself. Oh no, no, I'm going to go somewhere with the view and see if I can see you guys out in the distance paddling. <laughs> Up on some potatoes, they call the with underwater cows that <laughs> yeah. do nothing that serve no purpose. Now, don't They're hate cute. on manatees. I don't care about them. I know you I don't because you don't live in Florida. You're not. You don't. I don't They're a rare breed. They are rare, very um, rare. Yeah, 
So, real quick question. Because they serve no purpose. They have no defense. They just run into boat propellers. That's Kelly why says the same thing about you, dude. <laughs> so, I mean, come on. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right. Here we go. We are going to go ahead and uh, light up the other mic here with our guest today. Uh, our guest has been around the game virtually his whole life uh, and is now... Um, Playing the role from uh, home office down here in Tampa with the USL League, we have Mr. Jeremy Allen Ball. How are you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing well. Thanks for giving me this chance to come and, you know, regardless of the pod, just see you guys. It's good. It's been good. <laughs> regardless of, see, now he's, he's caught on already because he's like, this could hurt my reputation. Oh, no, no. This will be good. <laughs> I think his reputation is cemented um, as, I mean, we can't make him a non-nice guy. No. I mean, everybody loves him. No, that is true. That's true. Do, how does it how does it feel being a a nice guy? <laughs> well, there's a few people that would <laughs> take a little bit of uh, a different look at that, but uh, no. Look, um, what you guys are doing is great. Let's just get that out of the way. And this is not, you well, know, thank I think. You. Well, I just met Zach today, but right. the other two of you know me well enough that you know what you guys are doing here. It's so cool, and just putting the spotlight on different things within St. Louis, which, as we all know, is you know such a soccer home and. Um, the last one, well, I didn't listen to the one you just talked about, but the one with Bill, I mean, that was just, that was great. I cherish those moments I had with him at the soccer park with St. Louis FC, just, you know, chatting away and sitting down and getting stories. And, you know, anytime you get a chance to sit down with somebody like that. So I, I'm sure you guys love that. That was obvious on how it came across. To, yeah. This is really cool. And, um, it's a, it's a needed space for you guys to be in. So it's congrats. Well, I appreciate that. It's, um, <clears throat> we've, um, I, I think it surprised everybody, uh, us included, uh, kind of the quality of the conversations and, and uh, what we're gleaming out of them. You know, you, you touched on it briefly. Kind of the role uh, St. Louis plays in the in the game nationally, uh, and it's all built on the back of individuals like that. You know, and everybody talks about Bill as you know the voice. You know, and, and his knowledge of the game is exceptionally high. And you forget the fact that he was actually a two-time national champ yeah. at SLU University. So it's. It's like these layers that just keep getting unraveled, and we're having a blast doing it. But thank you, thank you for the kind words as yeah. well. Um, so you've you've known Jared the longest. So yeah. let's let let's let's kind of paint a picture here. Uh, here we go. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm I I'm I got a cold bush beer here. Uh, I'm I'm gonna take a sip and let you two <laughs> hatch out the history. Where where did it start? And uh, let's let's walk us walk us down that path a little bit. Oh man, so. I think the first time I saw Jared play might have been at an ODP event, I think, for some reason. And he was one at the time, ODP in Missouri was a mess. And he was one of the, you know, all the other states, I say it was a mess, but, you know, Missouri and mainly St. Louis is different where you didn't have to go to ODP, you know, to get good coaching and to get people that knew the game. Where in some other states in the Midwest, you had to, you know, you had to be in part of that system. So I think that was the first time I saw him play. Um, and then with the Bush Club, obviously, as I'm, you can't see it, but I'm rocking oh, yeah. the Bertrand jersey today. <laughs> this is um, uh, a throwback, uh, if you will. And then, you know, Tommy Holmes had that team, right? He was yep. a coach. And yep. used to see him play at all the old, like you guys are down here for the GA Cup. Used to see him follow them to the Sun Bowl, to the Blue Chip in Cincinnati, all the old recruiting stomping grounds that we used to go to. And, um, you know, just been been fortunate enough as a coach, the, the thing – you know that I that I really enjoy about coaching or did enjoy about coaching is just the relationships. So seeing Ken today, I mean that was amazing. You know, and you know they used to come out to games at the park, St. Louis FC. 
you know, Jared reach out a little bit you know, when Drew was just starting, you know, hey, what do you think? Is Am I doing this right? And blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> so just to maintain that relationship. Yeah. And obviously he has, right? Because, you you know, see the boys play today was great. Um, so and then we were fortunate enough to get him to come to Southwest Missouri State at the time. And he was a program changer. I'll be completely honest. The group that he came in with changed the trajectory of that program. Um, there were a lot of good players at a lot of schools, you know, we're fighting for and for whatever reason, they bought into what we were selling and came down and, you know, Springfield sells itself to a 18, 19 year old kid and some of the fun you can have down there. And Jared didn't do any fun. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> nope. We'll keep that one story out of the, out of this pod, but, um, yeah. That's so just, one story. Well, there's a significant one that was pretty good. Okay. But, yeah. um, Did it involve law enforcement? <laughs> Maybe. Perhaps. Um, That's a yes. Yeah. Well, are bike cops considered law enforcement? Yes, they are. Well, if they get paid by the municipality and they carry a badge, doesn't yes, mean you can't are. make fun of them, but they're still law enforcement. I disagree. But go ahead. <laughs> so, you know, just lucky enough to, you know, to get a group with, that Jared came in with there and we had, you know, a great run. And just, it's been really, the coolest thing for me is to see like this, like this pod, like him still involved in the game. Obviously he's got a you know, son that plays and goes to games, watches it, you know, city now, all that stuff. But then you can go down the list, you know, from John Duker to Andy Hatley, all the guys that were, you know, involved in those teams yeah. see them still involved in the game at different levels is so cool. And that, that just makes you feel like, you know what, we did something right. And these guys still love this game and they're still want to be around it. So, um, real quick, where did you grow up? So uh, originally in Hinckley, Illinois, okay. which is a very small farming town in, in northern Illinois. And yeah. that's where my story starts because there was no high school football. It was a very small town of 1,400. And uh, the school, soccer was the sport. The homecoming parade, you know, the big crowds, everything was centered around soccer. And um, my dad was a coach and then became a principal and getting selected to be a ball boy at the high school game, similar to like Granite. Be honest, it was a big deal when you were a young yeah. kid, oh, right? Yeah. Like that was Absolutely. like... I mean, that was it. It'd be like being a walkout kid now, yep. you know, in, in a stadium. So um, that was it. And then, so that's all I knew. I, I played basketball and baseball as a kid. Sucked at both of those pretty much. <laughs> um, didn't grow till like eighth grade, freshman year. So, uh, but soccer was it. And then my dad became college referee and then started coaching me. And that's all I knew. And the team was really, really solid. Actually played Grand City. Might have been South at the time. Lost yeah. to him in the, in the semifinals. <clears throat> of state it was a small school to get there before they had, you know, 18 different classes where everybody gets a trophy now in, in high school soccer. Right. But that was it. And I remember going to that game and, um, you know, just seeing, you know, just fell in love with it. And from there, it's just taken off. What, what year was that? What year were you playing? Um, so I was born in 73. And I think okay. that game, I want to say that was like 79 79 high school championships, seven, you know, 80 something like that was around there. But uh, okay, that would have been Dave Fernandez years. Yep, they were around yeah. there. And um, so I still have all the newspaper clippings. It's one yeah. thing I haven't thrown out, you know, that my oh, mom love that. put and have them in a the little thing. And it was just a big deal. For, I mean, the fire trucks, I escorted the bus out to go to state up in, you know, the suburbs. And it was a huge thing. And so just fortunate that that was my start. And so it wasn't complicated for me. It was it was soccer all the time. And, and then played college? Played at Wisconsin Oshkosh. Okay. So moved yep. to Champaign, Illinois before sixth grade. My dad got a job down there. So, you know, soccer was not as prominent as it was, you know, up where we were before. Right. So that was a bit of a change and, you know, did the ODP stuff, all that. Go to school, Wisconsin Oshkosh, Division three school. Loved my time there. Great friends, you know, good teams. Final four my senior year. And, uh, you know, had known uh, Coach Lee at Missouri State. Now, you know, uh, SMS at the time had known him. And 
I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. He was looking for an assistant, went down there, and was one of the best decisions I made. That's awesome. Yeah. So then um, uh, you go to Missouri State. You're there for, I think I heard, five? Yeah, about five years. Five years? Yep. Uh, kind of fast forward us through, let's, let's get to the STLFC days. Yeah. Because most of the people that will be listening, uh, probably first introduction to you was primarily uh, at, at that club and your role there, uh, which you did a great job, by the way. I mean, it was it was awesome. And that's when we met, too. Because yep. yep. uh, I think we met at Amsterdam. There was an event, and yep. you guys came in. Um, uh, to, how'd, you, how'd you land there? Who, who, who was the hook? Was it Dale? Was it who, who was it? And, you know, talk about that role. Yeah. So I was on the management team for, for Scott Gallagher. So I was coaching on the Illinois side for Dale and the DA okay. at the time and was on the management team. And when we were looking at like, all right, we got this thing cooking a little bit. We got this, you know, famous world famous facility in the soccer park, but we're missing something, you know, and St. Louis is missing something because, yeah. you know, Indy had a team, Sacramento had a team. And it was like, man, we're left out and credit to the the board and, and Jim and Tom and everybody. They pushed us to see if we could do it. And then, you know, Pat Barry came to me and he's like, Hey, you know, I know you love coaching and love being on the field, but you ever thought about, you know, maybe in the GM position and, um, had a good relationship with Kalish and, and Petch and everybody. And so nobody else raised their hand. They threw me into that GM job. <laughs> that should have told you something. <laughs> Wait a second. Uh, wolves, thrown to the wolves. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, made that transition from coaching over there full time. We were a little naive that the USL was a lot different back then. So I was still, I mean, even Pat was coaching a team as the president of you know Gallagher and FC. And I coached a little bit less, but still was doing it some that first year. And then the league just took off, and what we thought we were getting into, quickly the stakes changed. You know, groups were coming in, spending a lot of money, doing a lot of things. So I got shifted over full time, and we built it out. And yeah, so thankful for those years and just seeing, you know, really as somebody who didn't grow up in St. Louis but was always like around it, being in Springfield, Missouri for you know two different stints, being in Chicago, being in you know growing up in Champaign, you know all those things to really be in there and get like just you know, grabbed into it and really find out a lot of things. It was awesome. How Love much did you time. learn from Precky? <laughs> <laughs> My left foot still sucks. So that's, um, uh, I yeah. heard he was a sweetheart. You know, the, the weird thing about him is here comes the PC answer. Yeah, no, I'll give the real answer <laughs> is there, there were days where it was a challenge and it was difficult, but there were other days where he would come in and be like, you know, let's go to lunch. So we go to lunch and then the whole lunch was just him asking me about my family. How's Sydney doing? How's this? You know, and then we would stop to the little, you know, Bosnian grocery next to the restaurant. We go and he would, you know, Sydney needs this. She needs this. Good. These cookies and desserts and all that stuff. And then two days later, we wouldn't talk to each other for a week. So it was just, it was unique. Yeah, for sure. Good. Good. <laughs> so, you know, we got the grin. little honesty there. Yeah. yeah no, it's go. so, so, you know, that the role there, STLFC, you know, and you, you just touched on it because this is this is kind of my curiosity is you're not you're not the typical St. Louis guy, right? Right. You were always on the perif periphery around it, and then you got into STLFC, uh, and now kind of in the role that you're in, it's taking you all over the country, right? You, you've seen it all at, at multiple levels. Um, what's your take? You know, if you were to explain to other marketplaces and other quote soccer people, talk about what we always talk about on this show, the role that St. Louis plays in the game. And, you know, now with city 
you know, we've, we're finally in the MLS, you know, world, mm -hmm. you know, what, what's your thoughts? What's your takeaway? Uh, because you have a unique perspective having been, being, being a, a newcomer into the market, but then you were knee deep in it. Yeah. 10 years there. And I think it's, you know, it's such an underrated city. Let's start with that first, you know, from the breweries, which obviously I enjoy to, <laughs> you know, to the food places and, you know, the music. I mean, it was just, it was such a great place for us as a family and for me, like professionally to get, you know, people I was able to connect with, get to know all those things, the type of players that we were around. Um, and so when I travel, that always comes back, you know, so what's your story, where you been, or they know my story and they ask. And St. Louis is at the front of every conversation I'm in, whether it's in Orange County with that club, uh, went to Birmingham, Alabama's opener, you know, ask me about things. And it's just, um, it's so different. And I would frame it up in two ways. One, I remember my like first like big experience in the same, I went to the CBC high school tournament to recruit like on a Thursday, <laughs> right? And I get it, I get the, you know, the recruiting car from Leamy, you know, the old maroon Dodge, whatever that thing was. I drove the hell out of that all over the Midwest. You know, I drive up there and I walk in and there's like 3,000 people and there's like proper chance. Like whoever it was, it was SLU and I forget who they're playing against in that game, going back and forth, you know, what the hell is a Billiken, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's, just, it's like a like a pro game and there's yeah. 3,000 people there and obviously the level of play was great. So then you try to tell somebody about that who, you know, their high school soccer game has 20 people at and they don't get it. And then the other thing is when you would be on the recruiting trail, you couldn't fake it. You had to have real conversations with parents. Yeah. Like, because they know the game. They grew up playing, whether it was they started in CYC and that's all they did, or they played college. Like, you you could not BS your way through a conversation, you know, with mom and dad. You, you know, really had to be comfortable. And the club coaches as well that we spent a lot of time with. So that's just, it's so different because it's so ingrained. And it's just a big part of everybody's you know day to day the fabric of the city the stories i mean you go to the hill and one of the first things we did with fc was when they used to have the st louis soccer hall of fame museum uh in that uh we used to be a middle school yeah, or something school over on file yeah uh, yeah filer yep right. and and we we took them there and we walked through so they could get a sense of the history but you live there and you really see it so um for me it's the home it, it's the home of soccer there's no there's no question you know, and while I may not be on Twitter, I have enjoyed the um, trademark um, little conspiracy stuff that's been <laughs> floating around. And you got to be kidding me. That's a joke. And um, you can so, say you can say their name. Kansas yeah. City. Yeah. Well, hold on. Does USL have a Kansas City team? Should I know that? We do not. Uh, OK. Yep. OK. Close yep. to Swilt Park. Right. Yeah. Now they're in uh, now with, you know, the MLS teams are in the next pro piece. But yeah, that was them. OK. Yeah. yeah. So I have a, a question. USL related. Because back in 2020, 2021, USL team, STLFC, I was a season ticket holder, been with the club for years, folds. And that was a big punch in the gut for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I think I know the, the answer to that, you know, why, but I think it would be great to hear from you if you have any insight onto how that all came about, because that was such a timely situation we had just announced we're getting an mls team st louis city covid hits right after that right the academy program gets blown up and goes all to mls and the one team that we were rooting for from a professional standpoint goes away and i like i said i know there are certain reasons and you can tell us however much you can but I think people would want to know about how that all went down. And I know COVID played a major part in that. And, right. But, but why? 
Yeah, I think it's it's a it's a tough one because I wasn't there, so I don't you know, and not that I haven't kept in touch with you know those guys and and all that, but not being there, not really sure of perhaps the real reasons. I mean, I think I got you know my own ideas and, and things that way, but I think the one thing about St. Louis, go back to the city, right? Is it's such a you know community that's just so strong and really cares about its own and cares about each other, you know, so so much um, that with this you know with city coming around and the landscape was going to change. And I'll go also go back to when when Scott Gallagher made the decision to purchase that franchise and go into USL, USL was a lot different. Nobody had a 10,000 seat stadium average in 9,500. Teams weren't spending a million plus on players. I mean, it was a different league. So for a 501c3 youth organization who had great support, great benefits, benefactors, you know, from the community, from community partners to season ticket holders to everything that we were able to do, I think it just became a big, big challenge, you know, for the club and, uh, you know, at a, at the root, that club has come together from other previous clubs, you know, to really focus on developing players. And then so maybe their role is a little bit different now in the community. You know, maybe they're going to fill a different void. So probably a lot of different reasons that it um, that it went away. Uh, it was tough to see it from afar. And I'll be honest, I've said this before. If I had known that that was going to be the last season, I would have not left for Chattanooga. I, you know, I felt awful that I wasn't there to go down on the ship with season ticket holders, ticket staff, coaches, uh, the St. Louisans. I mean, a lot of people have been so, so good to me and my family. So it sucked having to see that on my couch, sure. you know, witness it from there. Uh, but that's what life does. And um, But it's been good that so many little pieces of, you know, the whole fabric of, of the community have been put into this new thing with City. And I think that's been really cool to see. I appreciate the answer because I think we had Jim Mayer on who mm-hmm. talked about being on the board and reiterating we've had different folks that are related to the club and we have the daughter of Mr. Scott who helped yep. found the club and yeah, we've Julie. had so many different people related to the club and I think reiterating that this was a 501c3 meaning this is a non-profit right. organization right. who purchased a professional football club or team and revenues were tied directly to I'm assuming tickets sales at the stadium mm-hmm not TV revenue, I would right. imagine. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. so when you can't go because of restrictions of the county or the state or the federal government, that shuts things down. But I think just reminding people that Gallagher purchased a football club from a nonprofit organization and yeah. ran it very, very well and very, very successfully mm-hmm. for several years. I think it's just a testament to what we've been talking about, which is yep. yeah. Pat Berry's and the Jim Cavanaugh's of the world said, you yep. know what, what we need to fill that gap, we need pro soccer here yeah. again. Speaking to the, the testimony to those people you have mentioned that you can hang your hat on because you were a big part of it, Jeremy, is that game day experience. Now, let's let's be frank. Loved it. That um, – we got a lot of favors because of that park and who built it, whether it was, um, was it Wally that built it or whoever the uh, dude was at Bush that had the uh, uh, relationship with uh, Anheuser-Busch. Um, that park is phenomenal. It is. So you already had the home base, but what you guys did as a staff on game day with that room and the grill, with um, the Luligans helped out a lot, making that a real soccer venue. The parking, the the tailgating. Um, I mean, it was an excellent experience yeah. for, for as a pro soccer in our backyard. Yeah, quickly. Yeah. So so <clears throat> that's a, a segue question. Would be talking about your current role. Um, you know, because when you, when I, I looked at the league and I looked at all the teams and kind of, I'm I'm always curious about the 
geography, the, the, the relationship of teams and the locations. There, there are some cities on there that just don't scream out like soccer town, right? Um, when you, in working with these clubs, um, are, are there certain teams that you're just blown away by the soccer community? And, uh, you know, how are you guys helping them? And, and are you using what you learned and, glint, you know, gleamed from the St. Louis experience in the current role? You know, talk, talk about some of the cities and, and the vibe within the USL. Yeah, absolutely. So to go back real quick, though, to the game day experience there, that was a one thing that we were told from the get-go when we were talking to people in the community, and it goes back to the recruiting comment I made, made you can't fake it, right? right? So if we would have been shooting T-shirts in the crowd with a T-shirt gun and <laughs> you know put a hot tub in the corner kick for people to sit in, like minor league baseball, it wasn't going to work. St. Louis is going to you know tell you to piss off. Yep. So we had to make it organic, and we had to make it real, and thankfully a lot of people... Should, should have thrown all the old uh, orange and black steamer oh, balls, yeah, man. That, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have gone over well, because <laughs> that you know, yeah. indoors, at, our, at, our, at least it's at my heart... Um, um, you know, growing up on it. But so that, you know, game day experience we knew had to be real. So when I travel and now I'm going to these other cities and seeing how they have, you know, uh, grabbed the game and grabbed the game day experience and, uh, you know, it just, it's, it's really cool to see. And some places do it better than others, but the ones that are trying to catch up are really focused on, you know, making authentic to their area. And I think that's what's different from soccer, whether whatever level you're talking about, uh, than other sports in terms of, you know, at the professional level is it has to be true to that community. So when I go to Orange County, it's a completely different vibe there than when I went down to San Diego. You know, San Diego's got a really, they play at a university at USD Stadium. It sits down on a bowl, but it feels like San Diego. You know, everybody's got the flat brim black hats on <laughs> yeah. and it feels like California <laughs> and it's just got a cool, they got like, sand on their calves. Exactly. And- <laughs> it's got that vibe to it. Right. And it just feels like San Diego and it's, 45 minutes up the road or an hour and a half up the road. Sorry. Completely different because you have to figure out what do people, you know, um, you know, what do they value? What are they about? And then make it work. Go to a game day experience. Uh, went, I'll go tonight actually, but, um, down to St. Pete to the Tampa Bay Rowdies. That's a different feel. It's right downtown. It's on the Bay. It's more of a go get drinks, get dinner, go to the game. And then it is, you know, in some other places. So, I think the clubs that are having success are the ones that are involved in their community. They know what their community values, and then they cater that game day experience to be around it. And it starts with supporters. I'm a big, big believer in that. The stadium can't only be supporters. You know, not everybody wants to stand and sing and bang drums. You know, in a twenty thousand seat stadium. But if you don't have that that feel and that vibe, then your stadium's going to struggle. Um, it's so it's going to be a little stale. It's going to be a little stale. It's going to be like. Mm, most other sporting events and that's why soccer is different so it's really cool to see now in this position at the league level i'm you know fortunate enough to go to all these different venues and go see these things i'll go to louisville uh next weekend i'll get to see that i've been to detroit city and you talk about a pretty hardcore authentic vibe and sacramento you know sacramento is a good one so there's a lot of places that are doing it right and part of my job is to you know help you know keep elevating those clubs and and give them some opportunities so compare and contrast you go back you've said it a couple of times that the usl experience with fc stl uh was significantly different the league is completely morphed um what's what's been the triggering event uh, what's 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 brought it 
to the momentum that you're experiencing now. Uh, I think you sent over 36 teams, is that right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Attendance is up, viewership's up. I'm assuming revenues are probably moving in the same direction. Um, You know, do do you think it's just overall popularity of the game or what's what's some of the secret sauce that you guys are applying to the league? Yeah, I think, um, you know, so there's 24 teams in the championship and then 12 in, in League One, which is the, you know, the Division Three Pro League that we have within USL. And I think the commonality is the game day experience and what's elevated this has been the stadiums. So if you go to a Louisville, I mean, I've only driven by it and I haven't been in it, but I'll go next weekend. Colorado Springs, beautiful downtown stadium okay. has just changed that club tremendously. You know, Sacramento still working on their stadium piece, but you go there and it's a great crowd. They have know. the passion. Yes. And they're exactly. And they can flat out play. Yeah. They're, that's a good group on the field. You know, do you think, do you think that there is an element? Cause I, I know this is true in St. Louis and I can't speak for everyone that had season tickets, but I'm almost a hundred percent positive. The main reason outside of the history of the game and understanding the game of the fervor was to send a signal up into the heavens that St. Louis needs an MLS team. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like some of these smaller market teams like a Louisville, Sacramento, Tampa, do you think that's part of it or do you think they are absolutely content being a USL club? Because I, I actually was until we got announced that we were getting right. an MLS team. But do you think there's an element of, look at us, we're crushing it. We're, we're packing out our 15,000, 10,000 seats. We're in the finals of the Open Cup. Yeah, we're yeah. winning games in Open Cup. We're moving <laughs> right, forward. Right. Do you think there's an element or is that a purely St. Louis thing? Because all I can think about right now is the Battle Hawks in the mm-hmm. XFL. <laughs> oh my God. How St. Louis is talking about how we're, you know, crushing all the records for, for, you know, attendance and all these things. But the main goal for that, honestly, is to get an NFL team back. So I'm not assuming, I'm just asking because you've been mm-hmm. kind of traveling around and if it, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts there. I think most of these areas are just honestly living in the moment and yeah. really excited to be doing what they're able to do. You know, they're able to, provide something that has been missing in their communities. You know, a lot of these places don't have a history like other cities do of the old NASL and, you know, back in the 70s and 80s and stuff. So for them to put 10,000 people in a stadium in Phoenix and to see different parts of their community come together for a game that those ownership groups and those presidents and those people that work at the club love so much to see that grow, I think is a big, big motivating factor for them. You know, uh, and with 26 coming, the business side of soccer is going to continue to grow. It's going to blow up. Look what 94 did. You know, Bill mentioned that in the pod, you know, um, uh, when he was on and 26 is going to be bigger than that. So I think it, it varies in terms of what, you know, these different ownership groups and communities, you know, what's their motivation. Um, You know, some of them are building, you know, beautiful stadiums. Some of them are um, doing what we did at the park and make a stadium situation work currently for them. So it's just, it's just different for everybody. But I think the biggest thing is they love seeing what this, how this can change a community. And I think that's really, really cool to see is just, you know, how an area can change or, you know, a neighborhood or a city can look at itself differently than maybe it did five, six, seven, eight, ten years. I mean, Louisville really, other than the, the, you know, the Derby, that's it. I mean, you can go down the bourbon trail, whatever, but now right. cities, I mean, now you got this 11,000 seat stadium and they've won titles and they've done great things and they got know, it cooking and they're pushing players. Now the player development piece there, Mario oh, yeah. Sanchez, well, yeah. SAUE kit, you know, yeah. guy, you know, so it's really cool to see them just change their cities. And that's what this game does more than any other game. I think around the world the, does, the, does USL have a closer relationship 
um, um, with the youth clubs in these marketplaces too. How do you guys manage that? Uh, you know that that really the pipeline. Yeah. Um, you know because obviously our experience with the MLS academies. Um, you know, it's some are really, really big academies. Take Chicago Fire or Sporting KC. You know, they got tons and tons of teams. Cities on the opposite end of the spectrum with right. six. Uh, what's USL's um, strategy with the, the with the pipeline? Yep. Every every club does it different based on their market. Some of them are heavily, heavily involved in the youth space. Whether that's um, a youth club that you know folds up into an academy. And then players get signed to academy contracts. You What's know, a good example of that? Sacramento. Sacramento would be good. Yep, uh, Louisville City is is a good one. Um, and it just depends on the market. And you know, everybody's different in terms of how they view that space. Some of them are like, you know, and honestly, in St. Louis, we were told, oh, this will never. St. Louis FC will never work because Lufus won't support it, and Sporting won't support it, and JB. And, it, <laughs> and what we found was, at the youth level, the relationships between the youth clubs became stronger and more. Less toxic yeah. because we had this thing that we all kind of rallied around, right? So um, every community is different, but there's it's definitely a focal point. Um, and some clubs are doing a really good job and pushing up younger players. Tampa Bay last Saturday went to you know they started a 17 year old kid in their back line, um, who's an academy kid, committed to go to UNC I think, and he played great. And um, you know, I imagine he might get a start again tonight. So it's really cool to see how clubs are doing it. Well, that's how. Um that's how this league, uh, mind you. So USL for our listeners is the second highest domestic league, correct? Yes. Right under the MLS. Um, the way that the league is going to go forward, and every market's different. We've explained that is just level of play. Um, last year, you guys had sixty-three players in the league go on twenty-one senior national team caps. That's, I mean, you have 63 players in the league in a 24-team league. That's a lot of players. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 that means the level of play in USL championship division is high. I yeah. Mean, it's a good level. I mean, so th that's what's going to continue to bring folks out. Let me, let me, <clears throat> let me ask your opinion on um, the role Open Cup plays in uh, validating you know, the league, because mm -hmm. most Americans are extremely arrogant about their sports and so much that if it's not pro, you know, first yeah. year pro, yeah. then it's irrelevant. Uh, soccer is an extremely different sport because there's levels. You, you can get burned at any time, you know, at, at any level. For example, back in the day when we were all playing, y y there's a reason why D1 teams did not want to play in AIA teams who were viewed on paper as subpar or Community colleges, right? Yep. Take 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 the old St. Louis community teams in the early '90s. They're going to roll most D1 teams on any given day. So U.S. Open Cup, uh, this process, your teams, is it kind of the 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 feather in the cap uh, for the league to to, to uh, do that? I told you so moment. So the reality is USL Championship, you know, as Jared said, is a Division Two league, right? And there's no no reason to, to hide from that. Correct. Um, you know, our clubs are independent clubs that live on their own. Some of them have USL2 teams full of, you know, whether it's academy kids or college kids they're looking at. So the ecosystem in the USL is pretty unique, you know, in terms of that. So for sure, the Open Cup is a big – it's a big benchmark for us. And, um, you know, it's an opportunity, you know, for players and staff and ownerships and communities to really – plant their flag that, look, we're real. And Sacramento did that before 
FC Cincinnati before they jumped into MLS. They did that with a good cup run a couple of years back. You know, uh, St. Louis FC, we had that run in 2019. So it is a big moment because it is our pro rel, right? It is our moment uh, for us to knock off the big dogs, knock off. And last year when I was at Chattanooga, we beat um, Memphis and they were in the championship. And that was, that was huge. I mean, our supporters, our fans, everybody, our ownership group, they were so astounded that a Division three pro club beat a Division two, you know, pro club in that. And then we go to Atlanta and get absolutely thumped, you know, by, <laughs> by United. But, um, yeah, so it is it, – it's something that the league takes seriously. And that doesn't mean that um, it's not a time to experiment as well. Like San Antonio this week rolled out one uh, person over the age of 18 in their Open Cup game. And wow. they went to overtime, extra time, whatever, and won 2-1 with a bunch of 15, 16, 17-year-old kids because that – for their plan – and they won the league last year, right? So that was their plan was that game was a moment wow. to put these kids under pressure against another, you know, Division three pro team. And it was uh, it was interesting to see that come through. So uh, – but, yeah, it's a it's a competition I personally love, and I know a lot of our clubs do because it's your, it's your chance to punch above your weight. It's a chance to plant your flag in the landscape. And as Jared said, Sacramento did it last year by making it to the final. And Union Omaha, you know, that's um, – you know, they had a run last year too, knocked off – Mimsy. Few, few well, yep. I, I was just yep. going to ask you about that because you, Union mm-hmm. drew uh, our beloved mm-hmm. city for their first match. I got to say, though, their Twitter game is on point because <laughs> the ravioli head image, like, we can do that too. That was yep. brilliant. So yep. whoever's their social media manager over there, they deserve a I'll, raise. I will. You might want to give them a pat on some the props. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I keep bringing up Sacramento um, and lived it at the youth level. Um have seen our boys play them in multiple competitions, whatever they have in the water there from the youth level up through that, that, that USL championship division, those guys get it. The staff gets it. They play a excellent brand of soccer. They are, they are just hammers across the board. I mean, I, for, for my money, um, Drew has played on different teams and has played some good teams. Sacramento Republic, if his age group is a top five team he's ever played. Yeah. Because they just have good kids. Yeah. So I'm going to be that guy. You're always that guy. But I am. And this is not new How to be you? that guy. <laughs> but how long can we go this route where we have teams like Sacramento, San Antonio, Louisville, Tampa Bay, Omaha, all these you know what we call small market teams right. that are competing at a very high level? We can't give MLS teams to everybody. How long do we go before we start doing relegation promotion? Uh, there we oh, go. I said I was going right. to be the guy. I got to go. Thanks, guys. It's been fun. No, and I, and, and no, Jeremy, no, You don't have to no. answer because no. you're, you're. Yes, you're, you have to answer. Yeah. <laughs> I think he'll give it a good answer. Yeah, because it's facts. Um, no, I think. I don't know if the four of us will be around, but something's going to happen. Now, it may look different than the rest of the world, right? Yeah. And USL has come out and said one of the things that we are exploring is within the USL ecosystem, a pro-rail model, right? So um, I'd be a liar to say if it hasn't been in some conversations since I started in February, because it has. But it's going to be different than the rest of the world. And there will be some people that will say, well, if it's not completely this, then it's fake. And I don't know if that's that's true or not. Um, So I would never say never. But, you know, the four of us may not be around to enjoy uh, but, it. But, but, I mean, how exciting would it be? I mean, realistically, if you, you take a team like Union Omaha, right? Right. If they pull off a, a Rudy run, you know. A Wrexham run. 
you know, because realistically, I mean, we see it in, you know, the English model is arguably the best model, the way that they do it. Um, but you're, you're typically seeing, in essence, the same seven to 10 teams on a year over year basis that are rotating in and out of premier to championship yep. for the most part. You know, how cool would it be, though, just those stories for USL in particular? And, and frankly, I, I, I think it would I think it would draw more fans to the MLS game. Uh, yeah, because you have the true underdog story. Mm-hmm. Um, so get it done, man. It just, that, it? It just <laughs> with with the money and what these owners and the MLS have, have spent on expansion teams. I, I, I understand the finances. Yeah, and, yeah, the and, economics and, and, is not what I was asking about. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's an, it, obviously a major factor. I just yeah. was curious from a competition standpoint because we do have these hotbed markets. San Diego is one of them as well, mm-hmm. where and San Diego can support professional teams they have sacramento can as well so you, you can't have a 50 team <laughs> mls league right. but we could probably with a talent support a 50 team league i'm just curious and, and i know i put you on the hot hot spot there Jeremy. i apologize not the first time i just i think it's such an interesting topic it because is. yeah when you're looking up from the usl i guarantee a louisville team could compete right now or sacramento Um, in the MLS in certain cases. And I think it's a shame that we don't have the opportunity to see that happen other than the Open Cup, which is great. But it would be great in our our lifetimes. I would love to see that. Well, I I think like, you know, we we just wrapped up uh, college basketball, right? There's nothing cooler. That's the best. Because Mm -hmm. I hate, I hate, you guys know. You know, yeah. I hate college basketball. I love the underdog. Yeah. Take yeah. those nine seeds into the nine final. and a five seed in the yeah. final four. You know, it's like I love that, and <laughs> yeah. I think I think it would be hoop because the biggest issue with soccer from a business standpoint, in my, from my perspective, viewing it the way that we do, is you have to overcome the middle lukewarm fans, potential yeah. fans, and I think that you know these other leagues around the world they have stories, they have human element stories that are constantly presenting themselves as well as obviously the best players in the world. But it, I think would serve soccer well if we could find a way to illustrate that better, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, you know, and, and I think the USL story and the way that these teams are growing and you're getting into the 10,000 person stadiums uh, that are soccer specific. Right. That's the cool part. You've, you've been to Europe a number of times too. You've seen those division two, II, division three games. That's fun. Yeah. And you guys are going to corner the market on that, and I think that it's it's only going to elevate really both leagues. Yeah, for sure. It's been it's been fun to see the different you know pieces. I mean, we got Charleston, who's you know 30, uh, 30 years of having a club. You know, it's crazy to see just the history and the tradition oh. that the Battery have been around. And you know, I think this is the tenth season for Sacramento, and that's hard to believe because it's you know happened really quick. So yeah, it's it's great to see. And I think you know, um, I'm, I've always said too, JB, that the one event that every American cares about. Is the is March Madness? Not everybody watches a Super Bowl. Not everybody watches a World Series or the Stanley Cup. The one thing that everybody everybody fills out a bracket at work. Everybody has a family pool that they get in, you know, for five bucks or bragging rights, whatever. But everybody follows that, and so to see this year, San Diego State and all the you know teams that advanced and moved on, uh, Florida Atlantic was tremendous. So if you take that and then put it in the world's most popular sport, and you put it with people you know in the United States to wear soccer 
is their primary thing, whether they're because they're from St. Louis and that's what yeah. they know, or they moved here, or they're in grad school here, coming from overseas. You know, they're going to fall in love with those, you know, relegation battles and Agreed. those promotion battles. Agreed. Well, and, you know, the other thing that it would do too is it would really right hook the whole pay to play model too, mm-hmm. because you would you would literally be looking at uh, completely underfinanced markets. Um, with you know, you know, arguably not those kids that are going to privileged academies, et cetera, that are going to move up through the ranks. It would also that'd um, be cool. It would also uh, MLS uh, ownership finance departments. They would have to have more skin in the game because they would have to put a winning product out there, so no they guarantees. do not get relegated. Yep, no guarantee. Yeah, I mean, there's there's in this. The topic for another day. The yeah. whole playoff model, I like, so yeah. <laughs> it's like these are extremely smart soccer people, right? That watch primarily have all been fed on the global game and the global leagues, the Bundesliga, etc. And then they do this. <laughs> it seems like that doesn't make sense to me. No, yeah. fix that too while you're at it. All right, all right. Let me add that to the list. <laughs> Got three things to fix when I get in the office on Monday. Perfect. <laughs> Oh, we'll have more in the second half of the show here. We're going we're gonna to take a quick break. Um, more camp, man. You like this one? All good. All good. This is this is, this was one that broke them, actually. Vagabond, you like this, Zach? I do. I like camp. All right, people. Give us a follow. Uh, give us a review. And uh, go if you're driving, just zip through the dumb commercial in the middle. We'll, we'll be back in a second. Vagabond dreaming takes me through the night. Hey everyone, JB here with Soccer Dad Pod. This break is intended to be both informative and an opportunity. Little did you know that we are accepting sponsors. Really. And as a sponsor of the show, you would get to talk to a demographic primarily consisting of parents, some soccer fans, and most definitely drinkers. Consider this an opportunity to let our listeners and social media followers know what it is you do and why you deserve some of their money. If interested in this incredible opportunity, just email us at soccerdadpod at gaslightstl.com. Now, back to the mindless banter. We're back. Quick refill. Cold Bush beers here. Actually, you guys uh, shifted it up a little bit, didn't you? We have some local beers here. The High Ally Maduro Brown and Jared's got and and Jeremy have the uh, Big Storm local brewery. Reef Revival Lager, exclusively at Win Dixie. Speaking of reefs, I don't know what that means. You don't know what that means? I know what it means. But you're going to find out in your kayak trip. Exactly. Yeah, maybe I am. <laughs> Why don't maybe you take one with you? Share it with a manatee. <laughs> Does my kayak come with a propeller? Yes, Kelly. Okay. That's what our boat captain said <laughs> yesterday. He said, Why are you going kayaking? You have to paddle. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, quick beer review then while we're at it. Reef Revival Lager from Winn Dixie. What do we. Uh... I, it's good. It is good. It's um, I haven't had a lot of good Florida beers just because I feel like we haven't found the right liquor store that has a lot of craft. Um, a lot of the grocery stores are it's almost all IPAs. Through, almost all IPAs. 
Um, Obviously, Cigar City is a big name down here, so yeah, it's a good one. All of their stuff is the you know highlight. I did have a good Mexican lager, and I don't remember the name, but it had a pinata on the front of it, and it was delicious. It was good. I don't remember the name of it either. We're just spoiled, though. We were talking about it a little bit earlier. Yeah. You know, when we, when we travel around from the Lou, I mean, realistically, name name another city. Chicago. Chicago's no. Oh. Revolution Brew. I mean, it's okay. There's some good ones. Uh, Seattle has a couple. Portland's got some good ones. Uh, I'm I'm saying pound for pound. New York. Nah, New York doesn't. Charlotte or uh, Raleigh Durham. Why you got to be that guy? Let's mute. I'm always that guy. (laughs) I wasn't telling you seriously. Asking, we were supposed to just blow St. Louis again. Livonia, Michigan. (laughs) Yeah. Dog and Pony. Yeah. Dog and Pony show. Detroit. The top five microbrew ever. Colorado Springs, or not Colorado Springs, uh, Fort Collins. Fort I mean, Collins. Come on. Yeah. So uh, I rolled this back in here with a little, uh, here we go, a little Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Okay. You guys know why? I don't. I don't. Other than I like Tom Petty. It's their home state, Florida. We're in Florida. Okay. That's where they're from. Did you know that? I didn't. And now you know. Nope. Jacksonville, I believe. Hmm. See, there's always something. We had camp earlier. Now we got Tom Petty. I'm pretty sure YouTube will flag this episode because of how long I played that. So that's okay. <laughs> Not because of you, Jared. It'll get flagged Flag for other away. reasons. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. We every time and I I don't we pay got the explicit tag. Yeah, I don't even really pay attention while we're talking to remember if it was explicit. I just automatically mark it explicit. It's just easier that way. Yeah, it's easy. Feels yeah. cooler doing that too. Yeah, we cuss. Adults only. <laughs> well, it just reminds me of going to you know the store as a kid, looking for albums, and you oh, want yeah. the ones oh. that had the big black and white label. Street side records. Parental advisory. Yeah, parental, parental advisory. Oh, I bought. Okay, let's uh, let's go down this path real quick. Okay. What was the worst parental advisory album you bought that you hid from your parents? Easy, no, without questions. He says motherfucker on it every other word. Uh, well, you mine's got a little you. more lame because we're we're pretty close. We're all pretty close in age. Yeah, yeah. it had to be NWA. I think. Yeah, I think I got you guys beat. Oh, you definitely do because mine group. was Green Day. So <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in a very different. Says household the wannabe than, pastor. <laughs> exactly. I grew up in a house where I was supposed to be a pastor. So yeah, Green Day Dookie. I had, and uh, it was taken from me. I had once bo- found body count. Oh yeah, Ice Cube. I don't even know yep. what that is. Yeah. Oh my. That's God. heavy metal. It was Cop Killer and all yeah. that. Oh yeah. It, it's a good CD, actually. It's it, 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 it pumped you up a little bit, mm-hmm. and then you're like, "Man, do I have a lot of angst?" <laughs> you listen to the album, and you're like, "I need to check myself in." Um, let's get back on the soccer track here. Okay. Um, so, new new role, new environments. You're traveling around. You're meeting these owners. Um, what's 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 the game plan you're you're one year three year five year what what is usl really uh putting on the whiteboard at the top of the list um you know we talked about open cup we we've talked about soccer specific stadiums things like that what are you guys looking to do to keep to maintain relevance and 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 fill seats Mm -hmm. you know what what strategy moving forward yeah, so you know, to go back to what Jared said, with the level of talent that's on the field, that's a big piece, right? It's continuing to grow that talent, that development. We have a tremendous sporting director, Mark Cartwright, um, that uh, helps our clubs in terms of you know, building out rosters and advice and thoughts and moving players and transferring players. We had a, you know, a really big transfer last summer with Kobe Henry. We'll have another one this summer. 
coming. So just, you know, maintaining that level play because I think it's for hard. listeners. Can we t- let's let's be specific on those transfers and do we can we can we say dollar values and where to? I mean, we're the one that's coming up. I can't get into that. But, you know, last year there was some seven figure deals. And that's pretty amazing. And it's coming from different ways, whether it's been that late developer bloomer that takes advantage of the opportunity in USL championship, you know, to move, whether it's a young kid that sees, you know, a year or two within this environment is going to allow me to go to an environment overseas I want to go to. So it's a variety of things. But um, the money that's starting to come through the entire U.S. market in the transfer fee you know, world is is really exciting to see because it's been one of the missing pieces, right, is can we be in the global game of, um, of moving players and creating opportunities and changing people's lives? That's, for me, the so, biggest thing. So how, how does um, – because we're, we're familiar with – you know, the, the MLS has, in, in essence, a monopoly in these transfers. <clears throat> There's a lot of, like, league uh, hooks that are in those deals. Mm-hmm. How does USL work? No, the the so nothing in terms of there's no it's different you know the it's up to the clubs now where we try to assist is with advice thoughts you know insight you know mark comes from from england and has had a variety of roles over there as a sporting director he's been in the agency world so he's really able to help our owners and technical staffs with you know hey look this this player is gonna you know if he gets opportunities are you planning for the next one behind him are you getting them the right amount of minutes are you talking to the right people so more of an advisory piece that way and Mm -hmm. helping those things come in and helping with building out their technical structure and scouting departments and, and those pieces. So we don't have a hand in, you know, the financial side of, of that piece. So it's um, more like the rest of the world, whereas MLS is different than the rest of the world. And right. it's just the reality. So realistically, of, it, yeah. realistically, if a player is catching the eye of a European team mm-hmm. from the USL, there's no transfer fee or is there, cause I know that with the MLS, there's a lot more hoops to jump through. So, what is that? What is the difference? Meaning, <clears throat> what's the selling point from a USL standpoint to a European club versus MLS? Yeah, it's um. So when a when a player is going to get transferred, they're dealing just with that club. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So they're not having to go through us, and you know, it, this it's a club on club deal, and obviously agents, intermediaries are sure. involved and um, things that way. So it's um, it's kind of like it is everywhere else. It's so, funny so, you so how do you? How, sorry, let me ask real quick yep. follow up. How do you how do you manage parity then? <clears throat> because if if you see if the league continues to develop in this in this way and you start to get those uh, marquee monopoly type players, um, do you think that the pendulum could could swing too far um, from a revenue standpoint? Things like that. How, how does how do you address parity? Yeah. So there's clubs around the world that. You know, their DNA is selling players, right? And moving players. Correct. Um, but they're in a different world than we are in the States. So it's, you know, it's unique. So I think you have to have a balance. And I think as a club, you can't just be in the States, you can't just be a selling club because m- most times that means you're going to move talent when it's good for the talent to move, not necessarily for you. So, and especially we're in different windows. So you'll see guys leave mid, you know, mid season in our league. And that doesn't happen too often in Europe, right? Other than the January window. So if you're in a playoff run and you've got a guy who's doing really well and, you know, a club from the Middle East or a club from Eastern Europe comes in and they, you know, throw a bunch of cash, you got to make a decision. I think where we try to step in and help in terms of that piece is if you're going to move somebody, you better be able to sit down at a table 
with supporters, season ticket holders, and tell them what you're going to do with that to make your club still remain relevant. Are yeah. you going to drop it into your youth system? Are you going to use that money to sign a player that's um, about to come on a contract from your club that's a fan favorite that people want to see stay? So it really you know, goes in there. Um, and some of our clubs, they're not overly interested in it. It's not in their business model. Their model is maybe a little bit different in terms of the product they're putting out on the field. Um, but some of them are very focused on it. And I think that's one of the great things about USL is each club can be different and unique based upon the beliefs and values in their community and their ownership group and the structure that they have within the club. That is good. Um, and that that's good. And I think that's how you really can grow things because what Louisville is doing is going to be completely different uh, than what Hartford is doing up in Connecticut. They're just different models and they're in different areas. Well, so. Yeah, I mean, St. St. Louis is the the epitome of uh, the relationship, the trust factor between a community and an ownership group, Mm -hmm. because we've been through it twice from an NFL standpoint, losing those teams and, you know, it's all money based. It's it's funny that you had mentioned the gentleman and I didn't catch his name. that was from England. I think he said he was a, your director. Of, uh, Mark Cartwright is a sporting director for the league. Yep. So he's coaching clubs, and you guys are as a group. Um, we had a guest on Terry Mickler. You know him, um, who's very familiar with the Dutch um, Holland uh, format, and and he says their blueprint is is when they're transferring, selling players is to make sure that pipeline, they have that player in behind. What are you going to do to make sure you have that player in behind once you transfer said player? Because if your pedigree is high and you can replace that player, they're going to keep coming. Yep. And so that, that that's a good model, and that's very intelligent by uh, you guys. Yep. And I think that's the difference is because we're late to the game in this world. A lot of times when teams were able to move a player, they didn't have a plan. You know, behind it was them. winning the lottery. Yes, it was like, oh my goodness, this is happening. It's happening. It's happening. You know, the gif, you know, whatever gif, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's happening. It's happening. Let's do it. You know, <laughs> and then it's like, okay, we just, you know, got, you know, moved the left back. You know how hard it is to find a left back at the pro level at Division Two <laughs> or MLS or anything. I mean, championship. It is so hard. So if you move that left back, you better have a plan and you better be able to. City U fifteen has three left footed uh, backliners. It's true. There you right. go. Yeah, there you yeah. see. Two of them are over six feet. They are. And du- they're in eighth grade. Duly noted. Put that <laughs> cut that out. Cut that oh my out. God! Did we do that? <laughs> we didn't just do that, did we? Oh no. So let's let's. I'm I'm curious because I I overheard you talking earlier um, about uh, coaching and things that you were missing at the game at the fields. Um, in the role that you're in now, uh, because you mentioned that you tend to spend the majority of your days uh, talking and coordinating and strategizing with front offices. Um, how hard is it to be that far removed from the players, the kids? Is it, how, how, are you, how are you managing that, and what are you doing to keep your toes in the water? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> when I made the jump um, was with FC, with St. With, you know, Louis FC, from coaching day-to-day, night-to-night, you know, into a different world, it was an easier transition because I still had relationships with players, whether it was somebody like Sam Fink that I coached, you know, at the academy level oh, yeah. or a player I never met before the agent introduced us or whatever. You had that relationship. So that filled that void a ton, you know, and I spent a lot of time recruiting and scouting. And, you know, um, when the switch was made from two DAs in St. Louis to one and it came under the St. Louis FC umbrella when, you know, the <laughs> Illinois and Missouri side came together, I was heavily involved with, you know, people that were, you know, making that happen. And so I had that connection. Then I go to Chattanooga and strategically so for my own movement, if St. Louis, my day was spent 60% soccer, 40% business in Chattanooga, it flipped completely. 
Um, so I found myself interestingly, like looking like, uh, you know, academy coach is like, Hey, I'm, you know, I got to head out of town for this. I'm like, Oh, you need somebody to cover your session. I'll do it. And you know, for one <laughs> get, night, getting your fix one right? night for, you know, and maybe out of six months. But, um, so it's, you just have to find other ways to keep you connected and with it in the game. So getting out to see the game, you know, today was great. I got out to the USL Academy cup last weekend and got to see some people and see some games. So, um, there's times where you miss it. There's times where you absolutely do not remember we, um, uh, first season in the GM role, I come home for dinner and is it, my wife's staring at me and Tammy's like, and Jared knows Tammy. She's not afraid to mince words. She goes, so, you know, what are you doing here? You know, it's like, you're usually not here until 10. Like, right. so we have to have dinner at six, like normal people. I'm like, yeah, this is the life now. Because, you know, when you're coaching at the club level, you're not home You're till cramping 10. her style is what she, she was saying. Yes, yeah. And she might have dropped a few F-bombs in there as well. And I, I won't say, even though we are E, I guess. So um, she's like, we're looking at each other like, well, what do we do now? You know, it's just oh, different. Yeah. Yeah, so This is definitely MA. Yeah, so you can you say whatever you want. Yeah. So it was, um, it's a it's a, it's a shift. It's a challenge. There's days, you know, that I do, I do miss it. There's more days that I don't miss it. I'll be yeah. completely honest there. It just go as long as you have an ability to maintain and build relationships with people that you know are passionate about the sport. It fills that void because that's what it was. You know, kids are passionate about playing, so you love training them. Parents are passionate about their kids getting opportunities and seeing them grow, and you know, having those conversations. I always enjoyed you know the Jim Mayers of the world and people that you you know could talk to and they could separate things, right? And you could have those conversations. Um, so to not be in that, you just have to find those relationships in other ways. And it's been, you know, and then being in a different sport with my daughter, it's been completely, I look at that coach-parent relationship, that sideline behavior, completely different. I remember the first time I was at the dad's like, you don't seem like you really care. And I'm like, no, I care. I just, I've, I've seen it. You know, I know how the movie ends, you know. I've, <laughs> okay, so, so you spent 60 minutes earlier today, standing, no, actually probably 70 minutes standing next to this guy. Uh, that would be Jared, for those of you not watching the uh, live stream, which we don't have. <laughs> <laughs> Grade him. How good of a parent is he on the sideline? Because we all have our feedback here. <laughs> He's a solid... <laughs> solid B. Solid, yeah. B. <laughs> solid B, B plus. Um, because at the end I saw the interaction with him and Drew and, and like he 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 was just he was just a dad, right? He wasn't Jared, the really good center midfielder, talking about what he did or didn't. Why didn't do. you do this? Yeah, yeah. Why did you yeah, right. You know, and and you know, he said earlier, he said this pod's been good for him in terms of that way. And even when we spoke, when I was back in St. Louis, about, hey, you know, Drew and this, and what do you think? And what are your thoughts here? We could just be totally honest with each other because of a relationship. And, um, yeah, it's just it's so cool to see people that I coach and now their kids are playing and doing great things. It's It's been the best. So that's but, the only part I miss. So so here's my question then. <clears throat> um, looking for a little, little advice for the parents that listen here, because you, you've, you've clearly laid out your pedigree. Uh, your relationship to the game and your relationship with players from a club level up to the pro level. Um, if if you were to, you know, in 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 a microcosm here, lay out some advice for parents that have competitive kids, you know, that are going through this process, be it uh, academy, moving into uh, collegiate prospect, uh, you know, opportunities to USL, to MLS Academy, what would you say to a parent as far as like, you know, the top two or three things that they should focus on or try to do or not do to help the process for the player. Mm -hmm. 
if you choose to go into an environment, do your research. So if you choose to go into a club or an academy or, you know, on the recruiting trail, do your research and make sure that it matches up with what you value as a family and how players are treated and how parents are treated and, and that type of stuff and what that relationship is like. That's the first thing. Too many people jump to this team because it's a good team and they won these three tournaments or whatever. Do your research and make sure that it, that it lines up. Um, and it's not going to be 100%, but make sure that it doesn't go against what you feel. That would be the first thing. And the second thing is it's a marathon, not a sprint. There's going to be days where your kids suck. I mean, there were days where I saw Sydney play volleyball and, and she, you know, hits out of bounds and getting blocked and serve receive was a nightmare. But, you know, the next day she was on top of the world and, you know, the process. Rolling. It's a process. It is. It, and so you can't, you know, if you get too high and too low, then you, you don't enjoy it. And then your kids don't enjoy it. And that's where I think the troubles come in where, you know, they're going to have highs and lows naturally because they're the ones competing. They're the ones playing. So be supportive you know, um, be there for them, but, you know, understand that it's, they're going to change a lot and the sport's going to change. I mean, look at the landscape, what you guys were in today. That's so much different than it was five years ago in terms of the level (laughs) and it's crazy. And then it's only going to continue. So you just have to be willing to ride, you know, the highs and lows and enjoy them. I mean, I, as a parent, I remember after a high school game where she had a couple of bad matches in a row and this isn't Chattanooga and gets in the car and she was playing against a bunch of her club teammates, and she was at a small, small, small private school, and they're playing a middle-sized private school, and she absolutely killed it. And we got in the car, and I pulled up, not Apple Music, sorry, JB, but Spotify, and I played The Bitches Back by Elton John because <laughs> she was back after a couple of bad games, and, and she still brings that up. Like That's fun. That was my confidence, and that was so fun. That's and fun. I didn't tell her you know, in the previous games that she sucked or didn't yeah. play well. It was just, you know, but she did play well, so that was it. And we didn't say anything for like the first, you know, five minutes in the car. She was just laughing and smiling. And yeah. So enjoy it. That's the other thing. Too. Isn't, isn't it funny? I mean, you know, and I'm saying this to everybody at the table here because we all view our children in the sport that they play, you know, the three of us, obviously with soccer and yourself with a competitive volleyball player. Um, the, the common denominator is when these kids, no matter what the level is, and I'll even talk about Max, my nine-year-old, you know, playing, you know, on that team, when they're smiling, when their body language is positive, when they're having fun, their games all elevate, yep. you know, and, and it's like, I, that's when I catch myself kind of like the therapy talking about the show and hear, hearing other people say, this is what you shouldn't do, you know, yep. and self-checking, you know, it, it's almost like you want to walk around the fields or the volleyball court or whatever. And when you see that parent doing it, you just want to tap them on the shoulder and be like, Eh, just step back, man. Yeah. You know, it's it's so crazy. Today's world, though, back to soccer specifically, how amazed are you at the rapid acceleration, the rapid growth of the quality of the youth programs coming from club and working at, you know, obviously uh, Gallagher and Chattanooga, et cetera? You know, speak to, for those that, you know, are just kind of oblivious to it, how much of a, a of a uh, acceleration in quality have you seen over the past 10 20 years in particular yeah it's been amazing i mean going to see events and see kids play now compared to you know 5 10 years ago it's it's night and day it really is there's always there's always been excellent high level players but the amount of players mm-hmm. and the amount of pedigree that's across the board 
in multiple different leagues from the ECNL league, from the DA league, from the top slice of league in St. Louis, from this MLS league. I mean, there is just tons of players. Yeah. More so than there ever has been. Oh, for sure. Wait, for what, sure. What, what, what do you think is, a, is the uh, primary factor? I think it's a couple of things. One, I think, is um, the pro game has helped. We can't, we can't avoid that. You know, the fact that it's a more obtainable now for kids to pursue that opportunity, whether they go the college route, they go the, you know, academy to pro route, whatever it is, there's more opportunities. So I think, you know, um, I, you know, grew up in Champaign. I wanted, you know, I was an average to bad basketball player, but, you know, I watched Illinois play. I watched flying Jordan, the line. Flying the line. And there we go. I watched Jordan play, you know, and so you're in, the, you're in the driveway, you're shooting. Now kids can do that with people in their backyard. You know, they can say, I want to be like that guy at Sacramento. I want to be like that guy for, you know, New York Red Bull, whatever it is. They want to be that. So then they, they work on their game. They enjoy their game. They go see it. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that, and this might be viewed as poo-poo by some people, but the sophistication of how we're dealing with younger players now and the level of treatment they're getting, you know, the level of professionalism, how they're taking care of themselves or getting, you know, education about nutrition and, you know, all those things. So I think that's added to it. So it's just become, you know, more sophisticated, which I think some people don't like, but I think it's a reality. Everything in our life has gotten more sophisticated from, you know, education to the workplace to what have you. And I think as a, you know, that has come into it, I think it's elevated the level of coaching and playing against the best all the time. That was one of the things, you know, some people may say this or that about, you know, the different levels of play. But the one thing that's so great now is to go see like on like, because I remember going to recruiting events and, you know, you, you go see like when I saw Jared play in the Sun Bowl, they get, you know, three games, they get two good ones and one just absolute shit game. And you can't see anything and they don't get anything out of it. They don't want to be there. So now that majority of games are good matches. You know, I think that has really helped things move forward. Do do you feel for the high school marketplace and what these clubs and academies are doing to the player pathways? In some areas, yeah. The fact, yes. I mean, the fact that some of the um, history and emotion is, has been gone, you know, especially like in the St. Louis area, it's been so good. That's been tough to see, you know. I saw the benefits when the DA went to the 10 month program. I saw kids grow because they, we had more time with them, more training, less wear and tear in their bodies. Um, but I also saw them go to a game that, you know, had 13 people at it, and, you know, mom, dad, aunt, uncle compared to 1300 at a high school game. And I saw that affect them too. So I think there's a balance to be found there. And there was, I mean, I, uh, when we went, you know, when we in 99 dating myself there, but, um, when we played UAB with, uh, Missouri state or SMS, I was at the final at soccer park, you know, and it was packed. Like you had to park out in the outer road and, you know, there's 5,500 people there and was slam packed. And as soon as that game was over, I jumped in a rental car, got the airport and then flew down to meet the team in, in Birmingham. And that environment was special, really special so to see it be different. It's just progression. Uh, but the other thing that I don't think we spent enough time is, talking about is how this has opened up more opportunities for other kids to experience those things too. So it's great that your, your guys' kids are down here experiencing this unbelievable event and other places, but it's created opportunities for other kids to enjoy other things too. So yeah, I just had an aha moment with what you just said, because the reality is right. Take any high school program. You, you've got a roster of 20 to 24. Okay. So if you have eight to 10 kids that are at that high school that are in the Academy level and they're out, well, you just opened up the door for eight to ten more, so it's it's really kind of expanding opportunity for kids as it's well. It's growing the game. Yep. 
And and if you're at one of these high schools that has a good coach, like a Terry Mickler or a Bobby O or a Vader or some of these guys or Timmy Velton, you know Timmy Velton, these guys, um, they're touching these kids. And just because you're 18 and you play soccer, your your day here's where the late bloomers come in. Mm-hmm. These kids can go, they can get get on somewhere at a college, and they can develop and they can be hammers. You know. Yeah. Well, so many. I mean. We're seeing it in real time. You have, you know, from the age of uh, 13 through 16 in particular, you know, the the puberty role and the size and the growth spurts and speed and all those. It constantly changes. So as long as you have a good program, you know, because I do think that, you know, we've talked about it a number of times on this show with our guests in particular, the pedigree of the neighborhoods, the community clubs, the, uh, the high school teams, without those... Oh, we don't we don't have no. City SC. No chance. You know, no chance. City SC. We're going to shift. How do you feel? I mean, because obviously, you, you, you know, so many people that were involved in the process. How, how what was your mindset when we were awarded the team? You know, were, did you were you were you emotionally uh, engaged to the victory? You know, how, What'd you think whenever you you heard the official news? We got it, and up to the five and zero start that timeline. <laughs> yeah, line. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all the way through. Um, so I was at the Matthews Dickey announcement when they made it. You know, up there, and that was um, amazing to be a part of and see it. And um, you know, obviously being behind the scenes, Jim and Tom had been pretty upfront with us and having conversations, and that was huge. And then uh, what is it? The I've never been there before, but the Palladium or Palladium? How do you say it? Palladium. Palladium. Yep. yep. That was that was cool. Um, that was a you know a good. Uh, a good event. And so you felt like you had been a very small part. And that's the cool thing I think about St. Louis is there's, you know, Bill said thousands. That's, you know, that's bullshit. There's millions of people, honestly, yeah. that have been influential in, in that thing taking off. So to see, you know, from that announcement there and then the process, you know, I think we went to Urban Chestnut for the after party there, talk about a good brewery, right? Yeah. So you go there and then you see it and then it slowed down as every startup slows down and then it speeds up and then it goes and to see how things have happened. So it took a lot of pride in it to be completely transparent to see, you know, where it's gone. Um, and then, you know, watching from afar as, you know, the brand rolls out, the academy rolls out, City 2 last summer. Um, it's been it's been cool to see. And it's been mainly happy for people like you guys and former season ticket holders and, you know, staff and people that aren't even involved the in it. Yeah, happy for them. And it's been – so it's been really cool to see, you know. And then building up to um, – you know, the start of the season, there's a person, I won't say whose name, I said, well, how do you think they're going to be? And he said, will either be terrible or really good. He said, there will be no in-between. And so far, they've been really good. So it's been, been yeah. kind of, you know, kind of neat to see. I it, cried when I walked into the stadium. Oh, how could you? So And not for me, not for the team, not for anybody affiliated with the team, for the Tom Holmeses, yeah. for the yep. Ed Laramies, for the, the, the people that laid the pipe. Yep. Have, have you been to the stadium yet to a game? So Christmas present was to go watch Illinois get their ass kicked in the border battle game by Mizzou. So it was like minus 30. And so that reminded me why I keep moving south, right? <laughs> you uh, can't go much further <laughs> no, south, man. It's Cuba next, I think. <laughs> um, so went there and we stayed at the Union Station so we could walk to the, you know, walk to the basketball game and saw the stadium, walked around it. Haven't been to a match yet. I will this summer. Um, I've got one one or two picked out and would definitely want to connect with a lot of people when I get back. You're going to go to the Kansas City game and just throw shade the whole time? I don't think I can go to that one mentally, <laughs> to be honest, because it's... it's um, 
Because you feel like we do. Yeah. I would, yeah. And if, <laughs> and what I don't want to do is go there. And look, teams lose all the time, right? You I'm hear a Liv- that, John Duker? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Liverpool fan, and, you know, we lose. And oh, my it, God. It ruins. Hold on a I know. Oh, well, what happened to your mic there, man? Cut that part <laughs> oh, out. Okay, there we go. <laughs> many a days at, at uh, Amsterdam Tavern watching Liverpool. Talking shit to me is what yeah. you were doing that last time. A couple of times. But um, <laughs> so to see just, you know, to go there against Kansas City, and if the result didn't go you know, the way I wanted it to, it would ruin my weekend. So any other loss, I would be fine. You yeah. know, if I go back, it, it's, I'm not as emotionally invested as, you know, you guys and, you know, many, many others. But if I go back and the result is, you know, a draw against Austin or I, whatever, I'll still enjoy the weekend. I, I, but if I it's just, Kansas City, I, I would oh, be miserable. I just think that if they hadn't have pulled the whole soccer capital thing, yeah. Like the rest of it, I don't care. Like yeah. you, you can you know claim to be an original and a competitor, and oh, we have a World Cup game. Well, you have in a football stadium, yeah, right. But you don't have any players playing on the team. We've got those guys. Mm-hmm. I, the, the soccer capital thing, um, which leads me to a question: as you know, in the role that you're in, and obviously seeing all these cities from Sacramento down here to Tampa, up the East Coast, you, you know, you've been around the game you know, probably mo- virtually every state. W- who is the soccer capital? And choose your words wisely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, depends Depends how you define it. Um, oh, I think God. the original one, no question, is St. Louis. And look, as, as I said, I was an outsider for many yeah. years, right? Chicago at the youth level when I was there, big rivalry. Um, we hated playing against, you know, Gallagher and Bush teams when I was at Magic. And then you go down to Springfield and – you know, we're trying to get things moving. And, you know, when we won our first state cup, you know, beating, uh, it was a Bush team, I think it was Scotty McDonough. We won the first not, we were the first non St. Louis team to win a state cup back before the development Academy and all that stuff came in. So being a completely outsider, you just have so much respect for that city and what it's done for the game and the people that have been there. And, um, yeah, I mean, let's, let's be honest. There's, there's one capital and you guys happen to live there. So then give us the sleeper. Give us the sleeper cities within your league that that are blowing you away um, from a community standpoint, from a product standpoint, from a player standpoint. You know, if somebody wants to get involved with USL, um, you know, who, who, who are the ones to watch? Loaded question, because I think everybody does things a little bit differently. But one of the coolest stadiums that I think is so underrated is Pittsburgh. It sits right on the river, overlooks the river. And it's a cool, It's there's a couple good bars and restaurants that, you know, you can walk 50 yards from to go in there. It's a great setup. You know, the environment, um, you know, that that's there is, you know, it's maybe a little bit different, but I think it's it's really cool, the, the setup that they have. Um, I mentioned San Diego. I was blown away by that place. That was really cool to see, just really authentic, and they just connected with the fans, which I'm a, I'm a big fan of. You know, I, I enjoy that part of it. Um, you know, Indy is, you know, put a good game environment. They're building a new stadium, which can be a tremendous facility and really take off. Um, we mentioned Louisville, Jared mentioned Sacramento. So it's been cool to see. And I think every place is different, but the one thing is they all tie into their community and they just have that feel and and that vibe to it. And I'm excited to see, I haven't been in New Mexico and that's, um, I've been there with Missouri State when we played uh, University of New Mexico. We used to go to tournament out there every other year, but I haven't seen to see New Mexico United play. And they get, you know, they average just around 10,000 fans and, you know, they're working on a lot of cool things and just a great game day environment. So I'm really excited to go there 
and um, probably do that with El Paso and see that you know. So, so uh, affordability, family. Like if somebody's listening and they're you know they're on vacation oh, in yeah. these marketplaces, yeah. um, what are we looking at? Average ticket prices. Very comparable to the you know St. Louis FC days in terms of that. You can take a family of three, family of four. What I used to say all the time is you can go on that awkward first date or you can take a young family to a game pretty <laughs> inexpensive and you know enjoy a good beer and, and not have to feel like you know you have to slam dinner out you know down at home and somebody has to shotgun three beers because you don't want to pay yeah. you know twenty dollars for a beer so you know i think you can get in and out for a family of four you know pretty pretty good in terms of you know ticket price and you know fifteen dollars depending on the market everyone's gonna be different sure but you can get in and out and you know pretty affordable and and again you're gonna get that local feel you don't have to nothing against you know as we had a bush beer earlier nothing against ab InBev, but you know you can go into a market and get a good local beer at, right. at our stadiums and enjoy it and and you know not have to take out a second mortgage and i think that's the other thing that's going to continue to help grow our league is you know being understandable to you know what it looks like in some markets to go and i haven't been to city so i don't know how the prices are and what everything is but you know it's um not it's cheap yeah. not cheap <laughs> and, nope. and and look the, the other side of it is they built that stadium with you know very little public you know influence so you understand it. You have to look yeah. at it that way, and too. And they've had three years to not get any return on their yeah. investment because of this stupid pandemic. <laughs> and they also go up to, against clubs. They get to play in the Mercedes-Benz Dome mm-hmm. and have 65,000 people right. there. Yep. Poor shit. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I, I I joke about the pricing. I, I You know, it is what it is. It's also supply and demand. Right. You oh, price yeah. it however you want. I mean, if you're selling out and you're winning, because it, you you touched on it. St. Louis is not a uh, lukewarm city when it comes to sports, and soccer is going to be no different. Right. So if if they're winning, it's going to be filled. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, they can basically charge whatever they want because um, we're going to pay it. We're the fools. Yep. Jared's going to cry every time he walks <laughs> in. You know, so <laughs> if you see the guy in a black blazer with an S a soccer dad pod pod hat on, because it is a redundant logo, uh, that's Jared. Give him a hug. He'll need it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jeremy. This has been a lot of fun, man. Really appreciate your time. Um, you know, the congratulations on the new job. Um, you know, best of luck with the league. Keep, you know, keep in touch with us. Let us know Absolutely. how it's going. Uh, and frankly, we'd love to talk to some of your people, you know, yeah. so um, because there's plenty of people that are looking for opportunity. And I've seen our heat map, right? Our, our listener heat map. Oh, yeah. We're global, baby. There you go. Wherever. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll send them your way. Um, I'm going to roll us out here. I yeah. also want to um, say that it sucked to not uh, see Tammy. I would have loved to seen her um, if she would have just if you just had her down earlier, not make her stay up north for this long. And um, <laughs> I don't. And, and I hope Sydney has a very very successful senior campaign. Yeah, I appreciate that. The only thing I would say is not to bust your bubble, but Chris Brunt was her favorite player. <laughs> she, loves, she loves Jared. She loves Jared. I think it's maybe because he was built like a brick shit house, and, and he looked like. Freaking a model. Bingo. Yep. Yeah. Thank you guys. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. No. Thanks, pa- uh, real quick. What's what's the food that you miss the most from St. Louis? By the way, T. Ravs pizza. What, what are you Barbe- missing? Barbecue. The barbecue. Yeah. Chattanooga terrible barbecue. Florida, Kansas City terrible, terrible terrible barbecue. Kansas City. Them. Yeah. Yeah. They can't barbecue there. Uh, and trash wings. Cannot find those anywhere else. Who I has would- the who has the best trash wings in St. Louis? 
F bags by the park was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, been there a few. They, they, they were really good. Yeah. They're good. They're good. Chuck, we're gonna give Chuck a shout out yeah, here, we, aren't we? We get him. That'd be funny. <laughs> we'll get Chuck on here. Actually, you know what? I know how Chuck thinks. He'll mail you down some uh, oh, trash. <laughs> please. I need to get <laughs> Chuck on here because I want my kid to go to Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> or you want him to bar back at, at Finn Barnbro <laughs> at F bag. <laughs> All right, we're going to roll out here with some Flow Rida from Flow Rida. Uh, that was Jeremy Allen Ball. Uh, give the USL a follow. Check these teams out. Uh, click that like button and uh, send us a review. We love one-star reviews because it gives us something to talk about. We have very uh, low self-esteem to begin with, so keep it coming. Uh, appreciate your time. We'll catch you next time. Full of guap and they ready for shows Got a Lex Maybach for the sexy crown Put crown on the rocks that I make